You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Monday, July 20th, 2020. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly, and for the first time in what feels like a lifetime, we have actual baseball games to discuss. It was only an exhibition, but Saturday's tune-up against the Nationals, who, of course, won the World Series last year, that went about as well as it possibly could have for the Phillies. Uh, Across five innings, the Phillies got Max Scherzer, who was a three-time Cy Young Award winner, likely future Hall of Fame. They got him for seven runs, six of which came courtesy of home runs in the top of the first inning. D.D. Gregorius brought home Roman Quinn, Reese Hoskins, and himself with a three-run home run. Uh, He did so while wearing a mask, which I tweeted out, not really trying to make a political statement about wearing a mask, although... That's kind of what people, one or two notable people quote tweeted it, and that's what my mentions turned into for the night. But I really think it is, it is noteworthy that there are guys that are able to do this because as much as I am pro wearing a mask, everyone should be doing it in public so we can get back to some sense of normalcy as soon as possible. I can't imagine doing it in a professional sporting event, especially given that this weekend it was 95 degrees. And if it was 95 degrees here in DC, which is the hottest city in the world, it probably Probably felt like it was about 120 degrees. So the fact that there are guys able to do that, Didi Gregorius is doing it in all facets of the game. Other guys like Reese Hoskins are only doing it when they're holding a runner on at first base. It is noteworthy. Uh, Beyond that, uh, in the top of the second inning, Roman Quinn brought home a runner with a sack fly to left. He got hit in the game, which was a little concerning. He got hit on his right hand. He appears to be fine, which is a very encouraging sign. And then later in that inning, Bryce Harper stepped to the plate with two runners on, and he proceeded to hit a towering three-run home run. I've watched the replay about 100 times, and I still can't see exactly where it is that it lands, but it was an absolute shot. And every single time he hits one of those type of home runs, in DC it's just it's such a weird feeling because for so long I associated Bryce Harper with hitting those monster shots off of Phillies relievers most notably Joaquin Benoit on Easter of 2017 2018 whatever year that was so you kind of just have to check yourself every time it happens in DC that this is really happening but Bryce Harper had a monster home run and I, I think it's worth noting that Bryce Harper at least prior to last night has been absolutely locked in dating back to Clearwater that's a very good sign and another sign is that I I think a lot of people myself included kind of saw some red flags for Max Scherzer in the second half of last season Max Scherzer spent two stints on the injured list with a back injury and if you remember he actually had to be scratched from game five of the World Series which the Nationals ultimately lost to go down three to two he had to be scratched from that game because he woke up feeling so awful and Max Scherzer is one of the all-time gamers so you know he was in a bad place if he had to be scratched from a World Series start beyond those injuries I think it, it kind of gave you a sign that maybe this is someone, he's going to be 36, uh, I believe in August, he's someone that has thrown a ton of innings. Maybe he's kind of getting to the point where he's no longer a frontline guy or no longer a guy that in a regular season is going to give you 210 innings. And 
It just kind of gave me the feeling with him, with Max Scherzer staying significant, or Steven Strasburg staying significantly healthier than he really ever has last year, then maybe the Nationals are due for regression. And I definitely think they're better suited in a 60-game season than they were over a 162-game season, both because they made a deep playoff run last year and just how their roster's built. It's more of a playoff team than a regular season team. It's an older team. But you don't want to put too much into Saturday's game. It does kind of give you the feeling, though, that it wouldn't be shocking if the Nationals take a step back this season, which would obviously benefit the Phillies. And perhaps the most noteworthy development from the game on Saturday night was that Aaron Nola allowed just one hit and struck out four and five innings of work. Uh, Nola had been slightly behind since the beginning of summer camp because he was a little delayed in his arrival. He was on the COVID list, I believe. He... Uh, uh, but he had never tested positive for coronavirus. He had just come in contact with someone else who had tested positive for coronavirus, which delayed him and kind of gave you some questions about whether he was going to be ready for opening day. Joe Girardi didn't commit to him starting on opening day Friday, but that kind of seems like the overwhelmingly likely outcome. Uh, Girardi added that whenever Nola's first appearances, he thinks he could go six innings and, and or 80 pitches, kind of whichever comes first. So a, a very good sign from Aaron Nola Saturday, Hector Neris, who was also delayed in his arrival to summer camp. Uh, he came in to relieve Aaron Nola in the sixth inning. And Nola, or Neris, who was the Phillies' most steady reliever a season ago, he walked one and struck out a batter. He did give up uh, a run on an RBI ground up, but really not, not especially concerning. This is someone that was more important just to see him get out there and throw meaningful pitches so no reason to think Hector Neris who's going to be your closer isn't going to be ready for opening day and in a lot of ways this Saturday evening game against the Nationals reminded me of that time that the Eagles went into Green Bay ahead of the 2015 NFL season and Sam Bradford had probably the greatest game of his career and that kind of tells you how his career went and everyone thought that it was a sign that Chip Kelly was a genius and then the Eagles were a disaster that season, and Chip Kelly didn't even finish the season as the coach. He was fired after the Week 16 loss on Sunday night against uh, the re the artist formerly known as the Washington... Well, whatever we're calling them now. I'm not going to repeat that word. I don't like that word. But in any event, let's hope the Phillies build off this game better than the 2015 Eagles did. But for as good much as you can do in a spring training game or summer camp game, that's what the Phillies did Saturday night. Today's show is brought to you by CBDMD. Our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. And we all know life has been chaotic. It's about to get chaotic as you got a full baseball slate coming back. To make it even easier, CBDMD is offering all of Locked On Phillies listeners, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code Locked On MLB. That's Locked On MLB at checkout. That's CBDMD, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code Locked On MLB. Sunday, things didn't go quite as well for the Phillies as they did Saturday. Tom Eshelman, who was a former farmhand of the Phillies, I uh, believe that they got him in the Ken Giles trade that also brought Vince Velasquez back. He really shut the Phillies down. He's not someone that overpowers you, but he has pinpoint command and really pitched well against the Phillies. And then Zach Wheeler, he kind of labored through parts of five innings, and I say parts because... 
you ended the fourth inning early, but then he came back out to pitch the fifth inning, but then he only got one out in the fifth inning. It, it, it was a strange thing they had going on there. But he gave up two runs. He threw 86 pitches, so not an especially impressive start. The good news, though, is that Zach Wheeler looks like, assuming he doesn't have to leave for the birth of his child, which is kind of, I don't want to say a ticking time bomb, because obviously it's an understandable thing. It's a very happy moment in his life. But in terms of the Phillies' success, they're just kind of waiting. And Joe Girardi said over the weekend, it's pretty much impossible to plan. He doesn't know when Zach Wheeler is going to leave. Hopefully he only misses one start. But I know early in summer camp, he alluded to the possibility of potentially missing two starts. So you kind of have that looming but whenever he's able to pitch I know Saturday Girardi said that Aaron Nola could probably throw 80 pitches in his first start based off the fact that Zach Wheeler was not delayed in arriving at summer camp and he threw 86 pitches last night you'd think he can go not quite a full workload but closer to one than Aaron Nola does and the fact that these guys are so built up and seem to be in a situation now where it's not a ton of stress to throw 80 pitches maybe we overrated how long the buildup is going to take for some of these guys with some starters maybe it is you're only going to go three innings to begin the season but I, I get the feeling that by the third start that Aaron Nola is making and Zach Wheeler are making they're going to be a lot closer to their normal workload than maybe we had anticipated over the weekend, additionally, the Phillies did make some roster moves as they move towards what their opening day roster will look like Friday when they host the Marlins. Neil Walker, the veteran infielder, he's going to make the team. He spent last season with the Marlins. Uh, he's played with the Pirates, the Mets, the Yankees. He spoke to us on Zoom before yesterday evening's game. And, man, he's impressive. He really speaks well, and the passion that he has for the game is so apparent. He could be a manager someday. It wouldn't surprise me. For now, though, he's someone that... He can play multiple infield positions. He could probably play left field in a pinch. Don't think that's going to happen. He can DH, though, which is an obvious option now that hasn't been in the past. Whatever the Phillies need from him, he seems game for, and he still has some pop. He's a good veteran to have on the bench and in the clubhouse, and he talked pretty glowingly yesterday about how good he thinks the Phillies lineup can be. And with Walker making the team, the Phillies did let Logan Forsyth go on Saturday, so I'm sure he'll catch on somewhere. He's been with Tampa Bay and the Dodgers and elsewhere. He's a veteran. You know, you bring in a bunch of these infield, outfield types, and obviously you're not going to keep them all. The Phillies still have to make some decisions on other non-roster veterans like Josh Harrison, so we'll see what happens there. Additionally, the Phillies released Francisco Liriano, and I, I know there was a report floating around yesterday that the Phillies had re-signed him and brought him back to AAA. I haven't been able to confirm that, and honestly, I, I think there's probably a team he can catch on with that will give him an opportunity in the majors. I also know he had Wade not reporting. He was a little late to report to summer camp. He was kind of deciding whether he wanted to put himself through this given the climate in terms of coronavirus right now. So maybe he rethinks that again now that he's not employed by a team. So I'm not saying the report is untrue. I don't know that it will prove to be correct. For now, he's not on the roster pool that the Phillies had active as of last night. Uh, and Joe Girardi said, by letting Francisco Liriano go, the Phillies may go younger in the bullpen. You have Jose Alvarez and Adam Morgan, who are your two lefties that will definitely be on the opening day roster. Ranger Suarez is on the IL right now. 
whenever he's healthy to me, I would expect him back at the major league level. He pitched very well the second half of last year out of the bullpen, and he is someone the Phillies floated the possibility of being a number five starter. I don't think he's going to be that, but he's someone you would expect to see at the majors as soon as he's ready to be back. But maybe... With the three batter minimum, the Phillies don't think they'll need as many left-handed options. I don't know. I don't know how things like the three batter minimum and the DH, whether that, whether there will be some teams that think, wow, that means we need more left-handed options or left less less left-handed options. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. Obviously, now you need more guys that are able to pitch to both lefties and righties because there's almost no scenario where you're going to come in as a lefty and only pitch to left-handed batters anymore with the three-batter minimum. So that's something to keep in mind. But the Phillies have a bunch of other left-handed options. Damon Jones, Cole Irvin, who looked very good when he moved to the bullpen last year, got an uptick in velocity. Jojo Romero, Garrett Clevenger, Austin Davis. They have they have a, quite a few left-handed options, so I'm surprised they didn't keep Francisco Liriano, but they're not short for left-handed options, and whenever you keep one of these non-roster guys, it has other implications for having to move guys off the 40-man roster and potentially subject them to waivers, so there are other considerations. And in terms of other non-lefty options, Connor Brogdon, who pitched finished last season at Lehigh Valley, he has looked really good in summer camp, whether he's on the opening day roster or someone that makes an impact later in the season. I would expect to see him at the major league level at some point. Brian Price, the new pitching coach, he's raved about Trevor Kelly, so that's kind of something to file away in your head as a potential option at some point this season. And the Phillies hope this offseason was sign a bunch of non-roster guys and hope you'd have better luck health-wise and in terms of guys you've had in your organization and are developing. Well, you haven't had good luck with Sir Anthony Dominguez, but you could get David Robertson back at some point this season. And I think the Phillies' hope is that the question mark, the major question mark that is their bullpen could turn into a strength. And if that happens, I don't think there's any question. If the Phillies' bullpen becomes a strength and this lineup is as good as we think, they're a playoff team as far as I'm concerned. Now, it assumes their starting rotation isn't a complete disaster, but if you have two of those three phases that you're really good at, that's usually a pretty good recipe. And some of you may think, oh, there's no way the bullpen's going to be a strength. Stranger things have happened. Remember, for as great as the Phillies' bullpen was in 2008, it was an absolute mess in 2007. So things can happen. A lot can change year to year bullpen wise and it's something to file away. The Phillies will have their final preseason scrimmage tonight at Yankee Stadium and then we're only a few days away from the Phillies in or hosting the Marlins for opening day. That's going to do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports and read my work on philliesnation.com and radio.com. I will talk to you guys next time.